radio.uccs.edu. Yes, exactly right. Good morning, and welcome to the online radio voice of the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. We're located here at the foot of Majestic Pikes Peak, and we are here, of course, with the second show of the season for Tom's World Language Cafe. While we're waiting for our music, Tomas, we're refreshing our page. Ah, here she comes. Here she comes. With Louise here, we've got it ready to go. Here we go. We can just listen to this for about a bit. to let you know, first of all, that we are, as we said earlier, reporting from the foot of Majestic Pikes Peak, and our programming is brought forth through the wonderful sponsorship of the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs Colleges of Business, Education, Nursing, and Letters, Arts, and Sciences, as well as Engineering. So it's all yours, Tom. everybody out there. This is um, uh, Tom's World Language Cafe where we discuss um, everything possible about world languages and where we have really neat guests and people that really are in the know, people who are really um, top-notch educators who are on top of things. And uh, I greet you from sunny Avon, Indiana where it's 28 degrees and we're still waiting for the sun, the spring and, and recovering from our snowfalls. So we don't have a Pike Speak out uh, out here in Indianapolis, but uh, or in Avon, but close. Uh, actually, we don't have any mountains out here. So, but anyway, here we are. We're going to talk today, and I have some interesting guests uh, for all of you. Um, the first guest um, that's going to talk to you a little bit is um, a Spanish teacher at um, the Lenhurst Seventh and Eighth Grade Center in Wayne Township. A Spanish teacher that I've known a very long time, and. Uh, who was one of the top middle school Spanish teachers in the United States, uh, who was on top of things and does these incredibly creative uh, projects and, and techniques of teaching uh, Spanish uh, with his students. So I would like to present to you um, uh, Jimmy Angelov, and Jimmy's going to talk to you a little bit about uh, his program in Spanish at um, uh, the Lenhurst 7th 8th grade center. Jimmy, are you there? Muchas gracias, Tomás. Y... Por nada, hombre. Muy bien. <laughs> uh, buenos días a todos. Uh, buenos días. Like, uh, buenos días. <laughs> muchas gracias. Like uh, Tom said, I am um, a Spanish teacher at Lynnhurst 7th and 8th grade center. And a couple of the projects that I've had uh, my students do is uh, we have been Skyping with Columbia, which we started a partnership with uh, a school in Columbia last year. 
and our students do in interchangeable, um, you know, they talk about their differences and similarities in their culture. Also, um, the kids in Columbia are learning English, and they are a little bit of ahead of the game than we are here with uh, Spanish. So it's been a very rewarding experience, and uh, my students just love it. Um, another activity that uh, I'm working on right now is a project-based learning unit in which my students are actually um, being asked to teach the teachers here at Lyndhurst Spanish because we've seen that in the last 10 years the Latino population and uh, our native Spanish speakers has grown uh, tremendously. I remember back in 2001 when I came through Ben Davis there was a much lower population of um, native speakers, native Spanish speakers and now there's a much higher need for that and I feel that it's really important to get our kids out into the building, figure out what the teachers want to learn so that if a parent calls in that is a Spanish-speaking parent or if they do have a student in class that is um, uh, an E&L student, that they can still communicate to them. That's wonderful. How did you connect with Tom Alsop? Well, uh, Tom Alsop's wife, uh, was my first Spanish teacher back at Fulton Junior High, which is now Chapel Hill 7th and 8th grade set. That's um, wonderful. I, That's wonderful. Yep. You know, we say that el mundo es un panuelo. The world is a handkerchief. And it seems <laughs> that the connections between Tom and his wonderful wife, Jill, and all the real movers and shakers in Spanish language land uh, are very, very strong. And I think that Tom and Jill really need to get more than just an accolade or two. They need to be celebrated from now until forevermore. It's so wonderful oh. for you to be here with us, Jimmy. But your name is, is uh, not a Spanish uh, surname. It's Angelov. What is that? Is that a Russian name? Angelov, Angelov is actually Bulgarian. I'm ah. first-generation uh, Bulgarian born in the United States. Everyone in my family, including my sibling, uh, my brother were born in Bulgaria. My parents are both from there. So I'm first generation born here. I actually speak five languages. So what are they? What are they? It is English, Spanish, Bulgarian, a little bit of Serbian, and a little bit of uh, Croatian. That is outstanding. That is outstanding. Congratulations. Man, thank so you so much. Uh, Jim, uh, yes. I'm sorry, I'm going to move to Dan for a minute. Dan, are you there? Okay. Yes, I'm right here. Uh, this is Dan Wilson, the principal of 7th and 8th grade, uh, Lyndhurst 7th and 8th grade center. And Dan is uh, a tremendous leader in, in, in education and especially supportive of world languages. Uh, Dan, I know you've done some partnership programs there at your school. Is that not correct? We have. We uh you know, Lyndhurst is a very high poverty school. Uh, we're pushing 90% of our students on free and reduced lunch. And, uh, you know, I think uh, at this time, more than ever, it's important for our kids to, to uh, get an understanding that there is a, a whole world out beyond the boundaries of Wayne Township. And uh, so we've, part of the way that we've kind of put the rubber to the road with this is to develop some international partnerships that gets kids to uh, the opportunity to communicate directly with people 
uh, in these other countries. And I'll tell you, Tom, they've taken to it like ducks to water. Well, Principal Dan, that's a marvelous thing that's being done, and I applaud you as well for making this possible this morning. I know that it's difficult to go through red tape and various hoops, but uh, this, I think, is going to make a major difference to people who are listening to this program today. Uh, Dan, also, I would like to thank you for helping this morning, and Jimmy and Addie, too, as well, because uh, uh, without people like you doing this, uh, a radio show is impossible. So. Uh, thank you so much for contributing. Dan, I had a couple of interesting questions for you. Uh, one is, um, what do you think is, if you were to say, what's the best plan of action? And then I'm going to ask Jimmy, too. Uh, what's the best plan of action for a language teacher who might be listening to the program as far as what you, what, what's a good way to teach uh, world languages today? You know, we have all this wonderful technology, et cetera. How would you do? How would you structure a classroom? If I'm ideal classroom in a world language. Well, Tom, I'm sitting next to the expert on that, so I'm going to defer to Jimmy. <laughs> okay, all right. And uh, really, I think that you really need to find out uh, the demographics of your school, and you really need to find out if it is a school like uh, Dan said of high poverty, or if you're in an area where it's a predominantly uh, rural area but you need to find out your clientele, uh, the kids that you're dealing with. And once you find out the kids that you're dealing with, you need to bring in real world situations so that these kids can actually gain learning and see it as advantageous to them and not just another class. So, so that's what, go ahead. Uh, so what would you say about the, the role of technology then? to a teacher who's out there saying, well, how much technology should I include in a classroom plan, for example? Well, and um, a lot of people were asking me about technology, and I'm not that much of a tech guru. However, I have started adopting uh, programs such as Skype, um, such as Prezi. Um, also, we do have Promethean boards in um, all the rooms here at Lenhurst and we do uh, Active Inspire, but I don't think teachers need to just throw technology in. I think they need to use technology and use the kids' knowledge of technology because the kids are really native to, to technology. And to us, the teachers, uh, the older guys, we, we are kind of, you know, the digital immigrants right now. Um, and with my PBL, I noticed that my kids don't ask me really many questions at all when they have the computers out in front of them because they've got essentially mini laptops on their phones. Right. Now, how would you, how would you get the students to speak the language? I mean, what, what's the best technique that you know to, to get the kids speaking? And speaking in first-year uh, first Spanish is usually the toughest thing for me. Uh, the one thing that I really, really liked was the connection that I made with the school in Columbia because then the kids are kind of forced to speak because they're sitting in front of a webcam. They're watching um, another kid in Columbia, and they have to communicate. So I think putting them in high-pressure situations uh, and having high um, standards is going to help get your kids to achieve uh, in speaking Spanish. 
Dan, yeah, Dan, here's another question. From the administrative standpoint, is the study of language today maybe more interesting from that perspective of the global economy? In other words, do the administrators view language as more important maybe than they did 20 years ago? Oh, I'll tell you, Tom, I've been an administrator for eight years, so I can't tell you what they thought 20 years ago. But what I can tell you is I think it's more relevant than ever, and it's not just the global economy. I think you learn more about your own language. Yes. You know, it develops vocabulary. You can't learn Spanish and not have a much deeper understanding of English as well. I mean, just imagine the brain connections that are grown or made as kids acquire a new language and expand their vocabulary. I think it's more relevant than ever, and I think the global economy is only a part of that reasoning. Yeah, that's a great answer. I totally agree with that. That's a wonderful answer. What about, I know, Jimmy, you've been doing this project, right? What is that about? Now, you have some special project, right? Yeah, we're doing a project-based learning unit right now, and it's essentially we use the Buck Institute's project-based learning format, and you come up with a driving question. And my driving question is how can we adopt or should Spanish be adopted as a secondary language at Lyndhurst 7th and 8th grade center due to the increase of population, of the Latino population in especially MSV Wayne Township? So what my kids are doing, I just launched it last week. Today they were actually going around and they're interviewing their teachers and are asking questions such as, have you ever taken Spanish? How much Spanish do you know? What words and phrases would you like to know? And then from their interview questions, they're coming back to the classroom and they're developing, like, quick guide reference sheets. You know how teachers kind of put papers up on their walls when they need a phone number or something like that? Right. Well, this will be a reference sheet that just has Spanish words on there so that if a parent calls in, you don't just hear, no hablo espanol, and then a click. I'd rather these teachers start connecting with the Latino community, with both the families and the students. So they're going to essentially, my students will teach their teachers a 10-minute Spanish lesson. That's a great, great idea, a great project. It's so community-based. May I ask you a question, Dan? Yes. My question is, you say Latino community. What is the configuration of that Latino community that you have at Lindhurst? Is it primarily from one region, or is it a variety of nationalities that you're dealing with? We get a variety. Certainly the majority are from Mexico and Colombia. We have actually, not just talking about our Latinos, we have more than 30 different cultures represented in this school. And that's a wonderful thing. And, you know, again, we can chalk that up as another reason that these, you know, that world languages are relevant to our kids. It's really amazing. And I think if you looked at our school over the past 
just seven or eight years at the change uh, in the demographics. Uh, it's, it's incredible how much change has occurred. Shall I assume that those 30 uh, different groups are not all Latino groups, but from other countries as well? Correct. They're from all over the place. We, we have had uh, kids from Eastern Europe. We have had uh, kids from uh, Africa, really from all over Africa, but primarily Eastern Africa. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's all over the place. We've had kids from Asia as well, including China. In fact, uh, one of our students last year uh, served as a translator when uh, the principal from our partner school in Jiaxing, China, uh, came with a delegation to visit, and, and he did a fabulous job. That's outstanding. Tell us, you know, I know that you've got secrets, Dan, that you're probably hiding them in your pockets, but tell us, tell us uh, a couple of your secrets for success, because you're dealing with many, many groups of identities and nationalities, ethnic groups, religious configurations, and we all know that uh, every country has its own mother, i.e. mother tongue, culture, and so forth. How do you ensure that there is a win-win situation among all of these young people because as we know in difference we have difficulty sometimes but you seem to have success so what's your secret tell us so we can all use it all right well there's there's a couple of things and I'm you know I'm not sure that uh, you know I I'd love you to think that I was some really smart guy that came in here with a big plan well uh, I think it seems obvious a, <laughs> <laughs> well what I do a lot is dream a lot and, and uh, I think that's perfect for middle school. I think I was designed and built and, and bred for middle school. Uh, I think the first thing that you do is, is you dream big. You, you think about possibilities uh, of what we could do. And, and you develop that into a specific vision. You, you, you try to visualize what that dream looks like on a day-to-day -day basis in the school. Uh, and then you, you just piece by piece start building it. And for us, uh, it started with a neat opportunity to travel to China uh, and uh, participate with Global Indiana, mm -hmm. uh, which is an organization that, that facilitates partnerships with schools in other countries. And uh, so we, we had that opportunity, and we, we traveled to Jiaxing, China. Global Indiana fixed us up with uh, a school called Jiaxing Experimental Middle School Group. And uh, they... Uh, so we went to Jiaxing, spent a few days there, uh, met students, met the teachers. It was just an outstanding experience. Came back, uh, fixed our kids up with pen pals. We don't even teach Chinese here yet. That's, that's part of our dream. One of our big dreams is to do that. Uh, and and we're, you know, we're taking baby steps toward that. But in the meantime, some of the things that we dreamed about with, with the potential for this partnership, uh, we put into place in our French uh, Classes. We've got a partnership with the Jacques Twinger College in Strasbourg, France. And uh, we have a teacher there that we work closely with. Her name is Estelle Koji. And uh, she works with Erica King, our French teacher. And uh, they're doing uh, some similar things to what Jimmy's doing with, with our partner school in Cali, Colombia. And so it, this all started the partnership with China. Now we have three partnerships. And uh, with, the, with the school in Colombia and the school in France, our kids are communicating over Skype on a regular basis. So, uh, I mean, the sky's the limit for this stuff. And it's, it, it, I, you know, I like to say that I dream big, but a lot of times these dreams, when they become reality, they exceed what, what even I had in mind as a big dreamer. 
So, uh, and then you hire great people like Jimmy and like Erica, and uh, you support them with resources. Uh, you know, I think that, that they get the vibe from the administration here that, that we want them to dream big and we want them to do big things, and, and nothing is too, too great for our kids. Uh, and, and the result is that these children get a fantastic experience. I, I want to put a plug in for Dan here because that is so motivating what you just said from a, an administrator's standpoint and the support you're giving those teachers is fantastic and, and hopefully that that's going on all across the country in a positive way the, the administrative support that you're giving those teachers at Lynnhurst. That, that, that's phenomenal and, and you deserve applause for that. that that's amazing. I want to switch for a second over to Addie and I know uh, Addie Smiley, and, and is Dr. Smiley, is uh, assistant uh, professor in the education department uh, in special education and multicultural education at the University of Indianapolis. She knows Jimmy, and she can tell you how she knows Jimmy. But uh, there's a lot of interesting activities coming up here uh, this summer, and uh, they'll tell you. Uh, she'll tell you more about the the honeymoon and the uh, preps and all these things. But the other thing uh, I want to mention is that uh, Addie is also going to tell you about the, the increase of Latinos in Indianapolis, in the community of Indianapolis. And she's also going to tell you about uh, the Kings, which is a, a group of black and brown young men. That, uh, to, uh, that It's a program for those people that uh, Jimmy and Addie have been working on. And it's a marvelous program. And it would be wonderful if everybody in the United States could hear about this program because it is. Well, they're going to hear about it right now, Tom, here because we here we go. Hi, Professor Addy. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you guys? Oh, what, we're so excited we can hear your voice loud and clear. <laughs> Tell us more. Tell us more. Well, well, as Tom mentioned, I am the luckiest lady in, in the world because I am engaged to Mr. Angelov. So, um, oh, oh, well. Jimmy and I are getting married in May, which we're very excited about. Um, but as he said, you know, my partnership with Lynnhurst uh, goes back further than Jimmy. I've been working with them for about five years now. Um, Dan jokes that he gave me Jimmy as, um, you know, as, as thanks for some of the things I've done in their building. <laughs> That's marvelous. That's true. <laughs> Think what the but, future you know, holds, my goodness. That com combination of talents, <laughs> who knows what will happen next. That's great. Oh. Yeah, we have really cool things, but one of the things I like about having student teachers, I teach my courses on, on site at Lynnhurst two days a week, and um, we have all of our juniors placed in that building primarily because they are seeing best practices everywhere. Like, I cannot find a better place to educate teachers about what should be going on. So, um, so Lynnhurst has just been great, and, you know, uh, one of the things that's so cool about Dan is that anytime I bring him an idea, he's so open to having conversations with me. Um, and, and to letting those things happen. So one of the really cool things that Dan has let us do, and I really don't think he knew what he was getting into when he said yes, so I, I really thank him for going along with the ride, but um, several of the other teachers, Mr. Dominic Day and um, Mr. David uh, Johnson, uh, along with Mr. Angelov and myself, um, have, have been working together to start a group, um, and they're called the Junior Giant Kings. Um, and this is a group specifically for African-American and Latino males um, that may be struggling with the current structure of school. Um, maybe they're seeing some success, but they all um, have indicators of leadership potential. And so we bring them together in a group. Um, 
They have lots of different activities they're involved with. Uh, they visit, uh, last year they came up with me and visited um, the University of Notre Dame. They also helped me teach my college course, my graduate course, on diversity. So um, my, the Lynnhurst kids, the, the seventh grade African American and Latino boys, um, were paid a stipend by the University of Indianapolis and the Woodrow Wilson Foundation to help me teach my graduate course. So essentially, they had this whole, we're a predominantly white institution, so they had a whole classroom of um, white adults who were learning to become teachers. And so when we talk about disproportionality, when we talk about issues um, of racial tensions, all those things, the kids were leading those conversations and they were experts on the community. So they got to teach a graduate course, which was very cool. Um, they're also doing lots of different kind of curricular things. Um, and then they helped present um, this work um, at several different conferences. Um, and so we're just kind of moving along and figuring it out as we go, but we're really excited um, about helping these kids figure out, you know, um, the, the term I give it is they're brothers of another color. Professor so, Addy, um, that is so exciting. I need to give you a connecting link here because people need to hear about this program. We have a seminal program here which is given to us from the Matrix Center at the University of Colorado in Colorado Springs. They have created a white privilege conference which takes place yearly and at that... Yeah, I've attended that a couple of times. Well, actually. guess what? I can uh, introduce you to those folks because they have their program every Tuesday and they are Skyping uh, national and international researchers every week talking about these very issues and your kind of program is the program that they would want to have showcased at their conference. So that's, well, well, that's the next clear. thing. It's the teacher's program. Correct. I don't want to take any of their credit. Um, I just kind of provide access and opportunity, and then they decide what they, you know, want to do with those things. So um, I'm yeah, sure that we would love additional I'm, support. That I'm thinking fabulous. that the White Privilege Conference directorship would be very, very interested in in hearing more about this program as well, because this is exactly what we need to do. We need to connect all of the all of the dots in our society, and each one yeah, of those dots is so special. Yeah, and the research says we've done a really good job of girl, with girls as far as getting them um, up to speed with education and, and, you know, decreasing the gaps in girls' education. And, and in Indiana, we're seeing um, huge gains. But our African-American and Latino men, um, you know, that's still a struggle. So, exactly you know, right. specifically working for those populations um, to make sure, you know, one of the things that Tom asked me to talk about was policy. And, you know... Um, um, I'm Indiana's congressional liaison for the Council for Exceptional Children, so I do quite a bit of policy work. Right. And the DREAM Act is a, is a huge issue. Um, you know, and I struggle with that specifically with these kids because here I have a group of kids. I'm taking them to colleges. Um, you know, we're, we're giving them leadership skills. And then half of the group may not be allowed to go to college when they become college age. Financial reasons also. That's a problem. Also, so, one, one of the things yeah. that m maybe will connect you to a more muscle, uh, even more muscle, is the International Women's Day celebration that's coming mm -hmm. up on March 8th. We'll be in our fourth year of celebrating International Women's Day here at the university, and uh, there are several people who are doing the very thing that you're doing in women's and ethnic studies with diverse populations, celebrating women uh, from a variety of spheres, both economic and and ethnic, 
and they are doing marvelous things as well. Also on November 25th, we'll be, we'll be working on a conference that deals with violence against women and how to really make that stop. So I think we're basically doing similar things, and maybe we just need to connect with each other in a, in a conference mode as well, in addition to language mode. I think this is, this is just amazing what's happening to my head right now. I'm thinking about all the connections that can be going on. So, okay, Marge, now if, if anyone wants to call in with a question, they can call 719-255-3365, is that right? That is correct. That so is correct. So anybody out there who would like to ask a question of anybody, it's 719-255-3365. Or, or you can send a question online, uccsonlineradio.com. That's exactly right. Exactly right. You would like right. to send a question in. Um, Addie, that's wonderful work. And I wanted to ask Jimmy a quick question. Jimmy, what, yeah, what's that? The idea of the of the the giant kings was that your idea? Well, it was initially uh, Dominic Day's idea. Uh, he was a uh, he came to us from Michigan City, and he had a group that was just for African American uh, males. And Damon Black, who's uh, one of the, uh, the assistant principals uh, in our building, he actually had a dream of creating an all-African-American-based male group. Um, and he and Dominic Day uh, began talking about this uh, group and how they would get it piloted. And I <coughs> overheard Dominic talking about it one day, and I walked up to him, and I said, well, you know, I've been noticing that there's a lot of issues going on between the African-American and the Latino race. You know, I always see groups that are just for one subgroup or the other. But I've never seen a group uh, that's been effective that combines both Latinos and African-Americans. So I kind of laid that out on the, on the plate. And Dominic and I essentially started what is now Junior Giant Kings. Okay. And, and so if, if there are teachers out there listening and they want to start a similar program, could you put a, a real quick summary of what they should do or how they would go about it? Well, just your email address so they can get in touch. Or your email. Yeah, uh, my email address is Jimmy angelov a-n-g-e-l-o-v at wayne dot k-12 dot i-n dot u-s and, and the only thing that i would say that teachers need to start any type of program like this is they need to be passionate about the program and they cannot be forced into a program like this by administration because if they are i think the program's going to flop Exactly. Uh, and I've heard, I've heard that programs that where people are pushed to be, you know, a, a leader in a group like this, and your, your passion, your heart's not in it, it's, it's just not going to work. Right. Now, now people here, you, the listeners, you've heard all the, the negative things about teachers, a lot of things about teachers, but here are three wonderful people that are, give their life to this profession and have a passion for it. And there are millions of people out there just like the, these three people. So uh, this is kind of a plug for the teachers and the administrators who, who certainly take, uh, they, they, they get their share of, of negative thoughts sometimes, but that should not be the case. 
So uh, that's a little, uh, a little promo for the teachers. The um, other um, item I would like to do, a thing I would like to do now is move to Dan again. Dan, are you still there? I am here. Okay. We just got, we didn't get back to you quickly enough. Uh, I was, no, that's okay. I'm enjoying this, Tom. Okay, wonderful. We're enjoying it too. It's awesome. Uh, I would uh, like you to talk a little bit about programs and world languages in Wayne Township. Tell us a little bit about the township because I know over the years they've been tremendously supportive of world language studies. So, uh, a great township. So, could you talk a little bit about the township? Absolutely. Tom, one of the things that uh, I was thinking about when, uh, when Jimmy was speaking about uh, the Junior Giant Kings is that uh, we're very blessed to work in a school district that makes it easy to, to dream big dreams and have big ideas and make them happen. Uh, the culture in this district is very student-centered, very student-focused. And, and, you know, really when anybody comes up with an idea, the way that you sell an idea in this district to the leadership is you present the benefit that this is going to have for kids. And uh, what my experience has been in this township, 15 years of working here, is if something is good for kids, they will find a way. Uh, whether it's financial support, structural support, whatever support you need. Uh, the, the leadership here is always, uh, you know, always, ha always has the kids as the priority. And uh, that, that's, it's just a great place to work. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I just wanted to add, uh, you know, since we're talking about the district level, uh, Damon Black, our assistant principal, who, who kind of brought the, the original idea of the Junior Giant Kings to Lenhurst really about five years ago, uh, brought that idea from Ben Davis High School. And so one of the things that's great yes. about working in this district as well, and I, I think you can see it in the World Languages Department, is the collaboration that occurs from building to building. Uh, you know, this is a place where the uh, principals are not only collaborators, but we're good friends. And that makes the collaboration very, very easy. And so Damon brought this original idea over for Ben Davis High School, and of course, it's, it's morphed and, and, uh, and changed quite a bit. And now the next part of the vision, mm -hmm. and, and again, we talk about Dreaming big, we're, we're looking at uh, what possibilities there are for this uh, moving to a K-12 uh, uh, opportunity for for our students. So, and uh, Jimmy and Dom and uh, David Johnson and Addie, they're they're looking at. Uh, in fact, they've they've already set it up to partner with one of our six feeder elementaries uh, to start uh, interacting with the Kings. Actually, two feeder elementaries. Uh, which include uh, McClellan Elementary and Garden City Elementary. So uh, we're, we're very, very excited about that. And, and again, you know, the, this starts with a big dream, and I think that uh, that dream pales in comparison to kind of the ideas that are being tossed around now. Okay. Um, Marge had a, uh, an interesting observation, I believe, about um, maybe uh, two super musical groups. Marge, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Well, as a as a music well, a music uh, aficionada, I guess I've done a lot of collecting of ethnic music from around the world. And there's one marvelous group called the La Hossa Kings. They're out of South Africa, and another, and they are absolutely glorious. They have marvelous marvelous tone, but their their instrumentation is so exciting. The other is the 
Peru Negro group, which is a group of obviously people of color, African-Americans, from the coastal area of Peru who have taken some of their regional music from Africa and incorporated it into their Peruvian culture. And the material is splendid. So if you want to investigate something like that, I think that would be really fun because I find that when people have not only a, an insignia or a sign or an emblem or something that they can connect to and say, that's our song, that's our emblem, that's what we really represent, this might be coming into play as a, as a help for you. It's just because a lot of people don't know about this music and maybe they should. Uh, Addie, well, that sounds fascinating. I've written those down and uh, I know we'll be investigating those. Oh good, I, I've put it down on my message board with us here on Skype and I've spelled it correctly. Another, another question Sorry, is... I know I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Another question I have for everybody is if you could give all of your uh, emails at the, at the end of the program, that would be great because I'm hoping that we can continue to be in touch after this show. This is just too important to just leave for just a one-hour program. But what uh, it, my, my other question to Tom as well is, uh, Tom Alsop, the man that made all of this happen today, what are the reactions from the community after seeing what these young men and women are doing, both in the classroom and out of the classroom? Has the community reverberated with any interest at all, or are they just ho-humming it? Uh, Jimmy, I'm going to pass on to you for that answer. How would you answer that? Is the, is, well, the, is the community really caring about it, or do you have to start showcasing a little bit differently, do you think? I think the community has always known that uh, there has been, um, you know, some issues with the cultures, uh, especially with the Latinos and African Americans. And I think that now, once we have started this group, uh, the community is... Um, much more giving and they they listen a lot more to our kids because our, we in this group not only do we teach leadership skills but we have our kids we give them a voice um, and they go out into the communities and they spread a lot of the word of, of what uh, myself Dominic Day, David Johnson and Jose Juarez teach these kids so they are going out into the community, and they are actually taking what we say and, um, and pushing it into the community. I believe that the community is embracing that. And one, one of the things you're, you're doing there that's really good is you're letting the students participate, and they're taking control a little bit of learning. I mean, they're, they're part of it. They share in this, and that's just wonderful. They, uh, it's something I hope everybody is, is doing in their teaching where the students get to participate lively every second of the day and they can participate and, and be part of the learning process. Uh, Addie, I had a question for you because, you know, this has been kind of a protest week and I, I, I've been following this and I'm sure many of you have out there. What's going on in Wisconsin? What's going on in Ohio? What's going on in Illinois, uh, Indiana? And uh, one of the things I want to ask you about, first of all, is the immigration uh, bill here that is in Indiana and it's kind of, um, it hasn't totally passed everywhere yet, but it's moving along uh, that it's going to be somewhat parallel to the Arizona uh, immigration uh, law. And what's your opinion about that, Addie? Because I know you know a lot about that. Oh, well, yeah, I, I you know, I have to say um, the 
you know, there, you have a moral and ethical stance in this argument um, or this debate. Uh, but the one that I found that makes the most impact on folks is the fiscal conversation. Um, because, yeah, right now Indiana has a bill um, that is reflective of that one in Arizona. Um, it did pass the Senate yesterday, which means it's in the House of Representatives for voting. Um, and, you know, the thing that really scares me about that um, is the fiscal impact. You know, um, I was talking to a representative from the Department of Justice uh, this weekend, and um, they were mentioning how Arizona is now looking at bankruptcy um, because of their, that one law. They don't have the manpower, they don't have the, you know, all the holding facilities, they, they just don't have the fiscal money in place to be able to support that type of law. So Indiana, you know, I mean, everybody's feeling the budget crunch, and so, you know, if that law passes, I'm extremely concerned fiscally about what it will do, not just morally and ethically, but also, you know, the economic conversation that should be happening that we're not having around this is, is also really important. I, I kind of joke that my new motto um, is that everyone deserves to be the right to be a taxpayer. I want more taxpayers in this country to help me pay for stuff. And so, um, you know, I think understanding, you know, we've had major businesses, Eli Lilly, Cummins Automotive, major employers come out and say this is wrong, this is, this is going to hurt our state. You know, um, all the boycotts that happened in Arizona when that originally happened, you know, we're hosting the Super Bowl in 2012. And so we could be spending all this money as a city on hosting a Super Bowl that no one will attend because of our immigration policies. And so um, thinking about whether or not it's a state issue versus a national issue, I mean, all of those conversations are happening. Um, but every kid sitting in the classroom right now has the potential to either be a taxpayer or a tax user. And we're making decisions right now that make that choice for kids. So it's, it, it's a very multifaceted conversation, but um, one that, sh that should be important to everybody, just because the manifestations of it will impact everybody. Yeah, a great observation and, and totally true. The, the, the financial impact will be enormous, enormous. So, yeah, everybody needs to think about both sides of the coin on, the, on this uh, particular item. Um, one of the yeah, well, and additionally, just to add, um, you know, right now K-12 schools are responsible for educating kids whether they're documented or not. Um, but yet it switches. Um, a lot of states are now denying um, undocumented folks the right to a college education. So we're going to invest all this money into their education from K-12, but then we're going to wonder why people aren't getting jobs and why they're, they're overburdening the welfare system and all of those things. But really, we're setting up the game for that to happen. This is an issue that has been on my heart for a long time. And it reminds me of what my mother used to say. She said lots of good things. One of them was, some people know the value I'm sorry, the price of everything and the value of nothing. I think that our leadership in government has to look at long-range as well as short-range goals and uh, think very clearly about what these decisions are going to bring to the future. And at, at this particular point in time, the short-range solutions are really going to negatively impact our long-range goals, and I think people need to step up to the plate and... Uh, 
bite the bullet, as it were, and start having their voices heard. Make, make your voice be heard either in your congressional district or in your representational areas or in the Congress itself in a, in a fashion which is politically correct. Because basically yeah. we, we are really, we are the, the, we are the voices of the voiceless and nobody's listening to us. Even though I write to my governor on a monthly basis telling him what I think, I think it's time for me to be physically present and tell him what I think because this, is, this law is an abomination, period, yeah. end of story. Yeah, and I would agree. And I also think folks need to start voting with their pocketbooks and understanding that, you know, where you spend your money, do you, you know, how you spend it, what you support, either the causes you support or the things that you buy. I mean, that's really what's driving a lot of decisions right now, you know, and so, so part of it is thinking about, you know, do I spend money in a place where they don't pay people a living wage so that I can save some money, or do I spend a little bit more so that I know where my dollar's going? I mean, everybody can do their part, whether it's how you spend your money, how you vote, you know, everybody has a piece of the process, and so I think utilizing all those venues right now is really, really important. I agree, and I think it's time also to explore in detail a guest worker program similar to what's used in Canada and other where, where people are able to come to visit and work and then return to their homes without, without a problem. This, has, this option has not been investigated in any way that I can see in this country, and I think it really needs to be done. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, if we could tax tax, you know, folks that come here to work, that would be awesome. You know, um, it would help us share the burden. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's my buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Tom is buzzing. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> now we'll move off of that quiet topic. <laughs> That's an easy topic to discuss. Well, now that uh, we said what we thought, what now you'll hear what we really think, right, Tom? Moving along. That was a nice, easy topic. We'll move along to a smoother topic. Dan, are you still there? I'm, I'm here. Okay, this is a, an education question here uh, about your, your school. One is, uh, for the listeners, what kind of uh, scheduling do the kids follow there? Like, is it uh, a normal traditional schedule? Is it a modified block schedule? Block? Uh, or is it another schedule? And my second question is, like, what's the class size? I mean, what's an ideal class size, and what do you have there going, you know, or close as you well, we have, uh, Tom, we have a block schedule, and uh, we divide it into, into what we call even and odd days. Uh, math and language arts are every day for our kids, and the blocks are 80 minutes long. Uh, elective classes, social studies, and science are every other day. And uh, so uh, kids also have a, an advisory period every morning that lasts about 40 minutes and that's they, they go in there first thing right off the buses and they eat breakfast uh, we do our morning announcements and uh, on Mondays we do character education and uh, on uh, during the rest of the week uh, a lot of the a lot of the homerooms have different functions some of them are uh, academic supports and interventions uh, for example we have preview homerooms where uh, kids that uh, are struggling for example in language arts We'll have a preview homeroom where the idea is not remediation. We actually made up a word that sounds great. We, we call it pre-mediation. And, and what it means is they get a 30-minute preview 
of what they're going to be learning in class that day and what that, that does for a child when they when they sit in the classroom and a lot of times they're falling behind and teachers asking questions and they never get to raise their hand because they don't know well when they come into that preview homeroom we set them up with some background knowledge and uh, and, and we can you know we can manipulate things and, and set them up for success and you know they can talk about something that morning and then ask a question about it of the class later on all of a sudden the child that never has the answer has the answer looks around nobody else's hand is up and uh, and it, it builds tremendous confidence so that that's just an example of how we will use uh, that advisory period of time the, the junior giant kings uh, meet every morning during advisory period as well and so uh, and we've got different groups that, that for different purposes but it's a it's a versatile time and it allows us to uh, try to meet the needs of individuals. Uh, class size is typically between 30 and 35. Uh, you know, we're, we're like everybody else with the, with the tightening budgets. We're, we're having to cut back and, and economize, and, and so class size grows a little bit when you do that. Um, ideal class size, eh, I'd love to have about four kids, wouldn't you, Jimmy? That'd be great. <laughs> ideal for uh, world language would be anywhere from 12 to 17 kids. I just, uh, you know, Tom, I've never taught in a classroom that was smaller than 25, uh, so I wouldn't know what to, what to do with myself with that kind of situation. Uh, but, uh, you know, with some of the teaching strategies that uh, these teachers are learning and, and implementing so well, uh, the class size is not really so much the issue. I mean, the kids are the ones doing the work uh, with project-based learning. You ought to see these kids. They go out at 100 miles an hour, 80 minutes goes by like the snap of a finger. Uh, you know, in sports, they say winning cures everything. I think in education, engagement cures everything, and that's, that's what these new teaching strategies do. And it doesn't matter if you have 25 or 35 kids. When you've got a, a good lesson plan taught by a, a, a teacher who is very student-centered uh, and, and is using best practices. Well, it, it certainly sounds like you're on the right track and you, you've got everything rolling. That, that, that's marvelous, especially for this day and age. You know, the student-centered learning, the hands-on learning, that, that, that's what it's all about. And, and still is and probably has been for a long time. But, uh, Dan, unfortunately, some places don't do that enough. And I, 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 and I don't want to be critical, but there are schools around that need to be doing more of that. And so I'm glad that you, you brought that up. That, that's excellent. One of the things about the class size in, in Mexico, for example, in high school, it's very tip, uh, traditional, typical to have uh, 60 students in a class. That's 6-0, oh, 60, yep. 50, 60 students, 70 students, and around the world the same thing happens in many countries. So we are still fortunate, even though we think the, the classes are too big, uh, when we compare them to the world sometimes, they're not so bad. So not as bad as it may Absolutely. sound. Um, one of the things I need to do here is, I guess we're getting close to uh, signing off here, and. It, does anybody have anything else they want to contribute before we close the show? Anybody I do, any? I do, I do. I've been thinking about something that would be a really exciting project for your middle school folks, and it happened in Denver at one of the most um, difficult and uh, hard to hard to reach schools in that district. What the teachers did through our University of Colorado at Denver was provide, or the person in charge of that program, provided each of the students with a camera, a little throwaway camera, and the students provided and created a picture of their world 
which was then made into an exhibit of some of the finest photography that was done in that area. And all of us came and celebrated them. We had prizes for first, second, all the way to fifth, and then honorable mention. It was such an empowering thing for those students to think in terms of what are some of the things that I wish to call attention to in my culture. And it was all minority students from across across the gamut. It was just an incredible experience. I know it's been done in Honduras. I think that's why it, it was taken up as a prototype. And some of the participants in the Honduran project wound up in Paris studying photography. They were that good. Just the thought. Just the thought. That's a great idea because um, the Kings have a partnership with the Indianapolis Museum of Art. Wonderful. And, uh, Looking at our, so yeah, we may need to contact them about possibly doing something like that. And the other project that was done in another school here was to have an international bazaar where students either brought things from their native land or cooked them or made them or whatever and sold them for paper money from the country, but it wasn't the real authentic money obviously and we had an international bazaar with students who were selling everything from tamales to paper flowers and it was absolutely great I, I filled up on the tamales myself <laughs> but it was fun and it was very very energizing for everybody who did that the guys did as well as the young ladies as well so I thought that might be something to share if you have uh, a few hours of preparation time available someplace in, in your schedule, it might work out. Okay, so what a great I don't show. think Don, uh, Tom likes that idea. No, <laughs> sitting here, I'm amazed at all these ideas. This is like a, a, a lluvia de ideas in Espanol, eh? And right. I mean, or ideas raining down. It's just wonderful. And uh, I'm just kind of sitting here listening, taking all this in. Uh, so the fun part of this show is listening to the guests <laughs> and having good guests and, and, and listening because it's just wonderful, the ideas. And that's what everything's about, right? Ideas. Absolutely. And ideas. And the more ideas that we can uh, get out to the people and the wonderful work you guys are doing, the better. Um, I have to close the show now. And we'll remind everybody that our next show is Wednesday, February 23rd. Uh, I'm going to try to sneak in a live show um, this uh, coming Thursday or Friday from the Hyatt uh, Hotel in downtown Indianapolis from the Central States Conference on the Teaching of Foreign Languages, a 17-state conference, one of the great conferences on language study in the world. And we're going to try to have a live show from there. And uh, uh, Marge will fill you in maybe later in the week at uh, the radio there, And we'll go live. Now, Marge is going to put this. Well, first of all, I have to give a quote from the Quixote. And now that I got all these Quixote people with me, there's, there's uh, Dan, there's Jimmy, and, uh, and Addie, the Don Quixote's de Indianapolis. And don't forget Luis, who's standing and here making Lu the program work. Luis is from Madrid, and he's yes. uh, the engineer there in, in Colorado Springs. And Marge, another Don Quixote de la Mancha. And the quote for the day is, Donde una puerta se cierra. That is so good. And Keep in touch. Keep in touch. And also, uh, what is your email, Tom? My email is talsop at indy, I -N -D -Y dot r r dot com. 
Well, we'll be keeping in touch. We'll, we'll be in touch. And uh, the, the quote means, where one door closes, another one opens. And that's from Cervantes. And I bet many people uh, were not aware of that. So Marge is going to lead uh, in the show here with my theme song that we missed at the beginning. But here it is. And it's called Canta Corazon. Uh, Alejandro Fernandez singing one of the great songs on his uh, uh, new CD. Uh, so uh, enjoy the song, Canta Corazon. Thank you all. Have a wonderful day. Thank you all for being guests. Eh? Bye bye. bye. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Marge. Thanks, Addy. Thank bye, you. Thanks. Bye. Keep in touch. Okay. See you guys. Bye. ccs.edu.